What's up, YouTube? What's going on, everyone? It is Matt Martin with The Grass Factor. Coming at you today, February 25th of 2018. Boy, we are in an early spring situation. I think like me, everyone else around the country experienced some significant heat waves that got everything going. I know I did. Boy, we are in a wow, I need to turn that down and hear myself in the background. So we ran into a situation where we jumped in soil temperatures from uh, low to high really quickly. We went from 40 to about 55 in a matter of three days or so. And everything is jumping out of the ground. It has gone absolutely ham over the last week. That being said, it's a great thing. This is what we live for. This is what it's all about. So I'm excited. I hope y'all are excited. That means lots of good things are going. That means we get a longer working season this year. That's always exciting. And I'm fired up. I am fired up. Let's check the chat here and say hey to a couple people. Switch windows. Green Doctor's here. What's going on, Ray? How are you? My mom is tuning in. Tony, tell me, how are you, sir? Joaquin, how are you? Mr. Thompson, how are you, sir? And Jim Beveridge up there in the Canadian part of Ohio. That's real far north. Real far north. Oh, Jim Beveridge working on the uh, oceanfront property of Ohio there. That's my joke of the night. Didn't Garth Brooks write a song? Uh, no, who was that? That was George Strait wrote a song about oceanfront property in northern Ohio. What's going on, Brian Reese? How are you, sir? How are you, sir? Get them lawn green, lawns green. That is right. So, uh, for those of you that don't know, I went out with, uh, I, I am going out right now with a 1900 ammonium sulfate. And the way I had structured this was that I was going to put down a pound of in this first application because that would get me my rate of prodamine that I needed to get down. Well, in lieu of this crazy warm up, I'm ready to super back down on that first application. So what I'm going to have to do is make notes really well here about bringing down my FERT rate and, um, and then catching up on that second half on the second round. Uh, so kind of where I plan to structure my program right now in lieu of this quick heat up is... I am going to drop my overall in rate. I'm going to continue to use ammonium sulfate, drop my in rate, and I'm going to add in uh, a fairly decent rate of potassium sulfate. And I'm also going to add in some iron for color. So anyway, that's kind of my game plan on my own personal lawns. I'm curious what y'all have going on because uh, I'm sure I'm sure everybody across the country is different. I know some guys are still buried under snow, so... Uh, check in with the chat with me. Say hey to me. Ask any questions. Feel free. That's what I'm here for. I'm going to tune back in there now. Doug Moore, what's going on? Ronald Parrish, how are you, sir? Grasshopper, hey, how are you? I have not finished my first round, Alan Thompson. I am uh, I'm still knee deep in it. I'd say I'm probably about, oh, halfway through or so. Uh, Chris Morton from Cookville, Tennessee. There you go. Just on the other side of Crossville. Good part of town to go to. 
What's going on, Chris? Are you a uh, are you a professional lawn care applicator or are you a homeowner lawn care applicator? Miss Judy Beverage, how are you, ma'am? Passed her core applicator test up in the northern part of Canadian Ohio last week. That is good to hear. Congratulations. Paul's Prime Cuts is live. Yes, you are. Ground up organic lawn care in Cookville going ham. That's right, sir. You are a pro. Um Curious, Chris Martin. We ought to we ought to uh, talk about talk about products and stuff that, that we've got going on because uh, I like I like it I like it I like it. Uh, Jay Droby says, "Hey Matt, watching the snowfall up here in Maine. Wish I was mowing. I bet you were, Jay. I got a friend up in Portland, Maine. He's coastal. He said it isn't too too bad up there." Uh, Ray says, "Don't forget the other micronutrients to go with the iron. I do an A to Z micronutrient supplement with heavy emphasis on iron and manganese." Iron and manganese will be the two that I will focus on as well, Ray. Um, typically, uh, typically, I'm fairly high in magnesium, so I don't usually have to supplement with a lot of that. Um, one of my favorite micronutrient micronutrient packages to go out with is one made by Helena, uh, and it's a rebrand from a company called Valagro, which I believe is based out of Italy, maybe. And they have a micronutrient package called Brexel Multi. And that is really good stuff. That's been one of my favorite micronutrient packages to go to. Brian Reese applied today. Bifin, triple 10, humic and kelp. Busy day. Brian, that is a busy day. What are you throwing Bifin down? I'm curious. A little early in the season to be throwing some Bifin down. But you could be in Florida, so who knows? Ronald Parrish, good sir. RGS, how much? I'm a homeowner in Michigan. Which program for us? Ronald Parrish, there's a, I can answer that about a thousand and one different ways. RGS is, um, I don't know what it, what it goes for, for homeowners. I honestly have no idea. And uh, which program for you in Michigan? I could drop about 10 different ones for you. Depends on what you're looking to do, turf type. All kinds of stuff. So there's uh, there's all kinds of uh, things you can do. Ronald, if you want to shoot me an email, I can put you in touch with people that draw up next county, uh, next Green County fertilizer programs. Be honest, I don't. I don't draw them up, but I do use their products in my own programs. So there you go. Solid ground, my man. What is up, Russell Skipper? I've been using a product called Sustain Fertilizer. Ever used it? No, I have not, but I've been reading a lot about it recently. Um, I cannot remember off the top of my head. I want to say that is an organic blended with um, methylene urea. Is that right? I may be wrong about that. I'm going to look up a label real quick. Just kind of wrap my head around it. It could be one of the ones that's a protein hydrolysate type deal too. Oh, feather meal. Okay, it's a feather meal. <clears throat> That's where you're getting your, your inputs from. No, I have not used Sustain. Um, I'm not a big fan of, of manures and uh, feather meals. And the reason being is just the unpredictability of release. After you use it for a long time and it builds in the soil, it becomes more predictable. But it's getting it to that point and the cost that usually is associated with it is so high that I've never really gone full-fledged all in on an organic program. Um, it's hard for me to sell something that I can predict and manipulate, but it's going to take me two years to do it. I'm not good at it, so I, that's why I don't, I don't, I don't sell it. I do not have to add magnesium. I know Brexel; it's good stuff. I have the Miller Chemical Land in my state, fully chelated. Yeah, it is. 
you know, Ray, one of the one of the biggest color jumps I ever got from a product was um, I was going out with a quarter pound of urea nitrogen, um, and I was using the Brexel Multi and the Umax um, UAN, and that was really, really, really awesome color response really quickly. Um, so anyway, that that's uh, that's why I, I do like that Brexel. I like it a lot. Jacksonville, Florida. I start early. I say you're starting to turn green down there, huh, buddy? Uh, Y'all probably went through the first dormant period of your St. Augustine that you were not used to. So I can see where that gets uh, gets a little squirrely for you there. DM's located in North Georgia. Soul temps hovering around 65. Should I go ahead and start with the dimension instead of the prodamine? Scared of early crab popping. DM, don't let it start popping. Um, I would probably transition to dimension if you're at 65. Although I would look at an extended forecast and see what the probability is of you reaching another frost. Um, I just, yeah, I, I would just, I would make a, a mental note and just go ahead and start playing on putting down dimension. In the meantime, Look at your extended forecast. See if you got any high probabilities of frost coming. Like I know we have a decent probability of a frost coming this week. I think we're going to be getting down to like 38. It's going to be 65 during the day, but we're getting down to 38 at night. So, you know, with temperatures getting that cold um, and the potential of frost, you know what that does to crabgrass. So, you know, you may get lucky and buy yourself a little time that way. Or you can be less risky and go ahead and switch dimension. It's your choice. Boom. Incompletely decomposed chicken houseways. Yep. <clears throat> and that, that's the thing about the the litters and the, the whole composting. And they're they're doing this aerobically composted thing. And and basically from, from what I've seen of operations that consider themselves um uh, aerobically composted. <clears throat> the one I do like that is aerobically comp composted is Charlie's compost in Calhoun, Kentucky. Uh, everything I have gotten from Charlie has been super high quality, top notch. Charlie's compost in Calhoun, Kentucky. Um, and he has a very, very intensive production process. You know, he takes orders the year before and only completes the orders that he sells from the previous year and so that way he can you know understand his his demand there and um anyway that's about the only product i've ever seen but they put them in these big giant piles and they have this tractor that goes by and it just turns it's got like this giant auger on it and it just turns it and they keep going back and forth back back and forth so there you go micronutrients plus umax is almost like green paint <laughs> you aren't kidding it really is what about mixing humic acid and a three-way herbicide? Chris Morton, uh, check the pH of your humic acid. Um, that's the only thing I would worry about is if it's on the higher end of the pH scale. It shouldn't be. Uh, you know, most most humic acids are going to be a little, uh, neutral to acidic pH range. So uh, check your pH, and they should be able to go down together with that issue. I would not leave it in the tank overnight. Uh, so whatever you mix for that day, spray that day because the organic acids over time can have the ability to, 
quote unquote, maybe neutralize part of that three ways. So keep that in mind. Don't let it sit for an extended period of time. Derek says, I live in Massachusetts. I have Kentucky bluegrass and perennial rye. Having a hard time getting rid of poetry. I've tried tenacity with no luck. Derek, you may be out of luck. The only thing I can recommend is ethofumisate. Ethofumisate is also known as Prograss and Poa Constrictor. It just went generic with a turf label, if you can find it. Um, that would probably be your best bet, although I just don't know how well it's going to work on Poa Trip. In fact, I'm going to buy some on Monday to begin playing with it. So I'm curious to see how it all works out. Uh, Wayne wants to try Civitas fungicide this year, but I have not used an oil for this before. Have you tried oils? Wayne, I have not. Uh, are you wanting to do Civitas on turf? To be honest, I am not familiar with that product at all. Let me look at a label here and see what I've got from it. The one fungicide I do want to try this year was released by that company out of... North Carolina. It's a biological fungicide. And they've got a big group of investors behind them that is is, is funding the the, uh, the production of their product. And I cannot find the name of it. But it had as high or greater efficacy than um as oxystrobin than Heritage did on brown patch in cool season, cool season grasses. Here's the thing, though, is that it is 10 times more expensive than Heritage. Well, that's expensive. That's very expensive. And this is, uh, is, this is not one of the bacillus strains. I mean, it is completely honed in, dialed in, uh, specific to... Uh, fungicide control, and, 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 it's, and it's unlike anything else that's on the market. And it has an EPA registration number. It is the real deal. But you know, we're talking about you know twenty to forty dollars per thousand square foot. So you know that is expensive, super expensive. I'm trying to find the name of that company. Uh, if anybody knows the name of that company, feel free to comment down below. But I cannot recall it. I will have to look and see. Oh, Zio, biological fungicide. It is called Zio, Z-I-O exclamation point. And the company that pro is producing it is Ag Biome. And CPRO, S-E-PRO, is going to be the distributor of that. So interesting little product there. We've got mineral oil and Civitas. That's all it is. It is 88% mineral oil. Uh, do I think this is going to provide fungal control? Probably not. Not in residential lawn care. I don't think you're going to get the results you're expecting. So keep that in mind, man. Keep that in mind, Wayne. Put granular prodiamine down today. I hope it gives good coverage. I do too, Tony. I do too. Have you run, what is this? Have you run Green County, Green County Micro through your permagrain? Allen? I have not. I have not. That's the other thing, too. Oil on grass and hot weather is not good. Not good. Uh, yeah, the, the fungicides that Ray listed here, Lexicon, Armada, Prostar, Eagle, those are all good. 
Um, I use a lot of bisoxystrobin. Um, depending on the, the 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 heat, you know, I may uh, I like to use uh, azoxystrobin and propiconazole. Those those are my my two go to. And then I fluctuate my propiconazole rate based on heat. Because if you don't know, propiconazole can do some damage in heat, and it also tends to have a little bit of a uh, plant growth regulatory effect. It will stunt the fire out of your grass. What I'm getting at. Jeremy Anthony, no problem, man. Uh, no problem. Good luck with your with establishing your zoysia lawn. Um, I'll tell you who's the man on zoysia, and that's Ray. And so I think, uh, you know, he can really help you dial in on that. But I will tell you, Ray will put you to work. He is not going to let you half-ass your zoysia. Any advice or, or tips, tricks for granular fert storage? Pulled out a half bag of Lesco Electus 1809 this week, and it had gone bad. Bumpy, oily, bogged up in spreader. Uh, Brian, I, I don't. I, you know, I, I go through it, you know, pretty quick. So... It's not like I keep a lot on my hand for a long time, you know. So I, I'm, you know, I may hold a, a pallet of fertilizer that may last, you know, I may keep it a month, um, but you know, really, that's going to be as long as I keep something, and I just I keep it in my garage out of the weather. So I'm sorry, I really don't have have good, um, good advice there for you, Ronald Parrish. Best way to start into the fert business. That's just it. There's not a good way. So what I would do initially is reach out to your local department of agriculture, find out what they require to become licensed to be able to apply pesticides, fertilizers, weed controls, um, herbicides, fungicides, everything that falls under the pesticide spectrum for lawn and turf. Um, find out what it takes to get your license, and they typically can point you in the direction of study material. However, you're going to need real-world application experience. How to get that? I don't know, man. I do not know. There is not a good resource for that. You know, you can do like what 90% of the, of the industry does, and that's go to work for TrueGrain for a year, learn how to do it, and then go out and do your own. Um, but a lot of times, you know, you, you're taught poor things at, you know, a company that's structured around you know, corporate America. Um, and it, it's, it's just, you're not going to learn a whole lot of turf grass science there. Uh, you know, you'll probably learn a business model, but that's about it. No fungicide registered here in Western Canada, except sulfur and oil. Man. Wayne, that is tough, man. I do not know what to thank you or what, what to think of that or what to tell you. Um, yeah, man, I don't know, Wayne. I do not know. Do you think RGS will help reduce rates of fungicides for fescue? Paul, I don't know. Uh, right now, I'm going to say no. I'm going to continue to play with it this year. I did a little bit last year. Um, I'm nervous about cutting rates of fungicides altogether just because of the potential of resistance. Um, for those of you that have never run a fungicide program, it's good to run multiple modes of actions to prevent resistance. You know, back when, uh, you know, we could use Dacanil, it was great because it didn't have just a single effect on uh, different, you know, pathogens and bacteria. 
um, it attacked it from many different ways. And so that's why the potential for resistance to chlorothalonil is so low. However, you know, you come out with the, the strobilurins and the DMIs, um, you know, you're affecting, you know, one process in the, in the development of the disease. So there's only one mode of action. So it's best when you're running fungicides to mix your modes of action. Now, will incorporating a biological into that or a biostimulant into that negate the need for as much fungicide? I don't know. It may cut down on the, on the number of total applications that need to be applied, the potentials there. But in terms of rates, I don't know if that's a full thing to say, as a full accurate thing to say. So I'm not going to recommend that. What kind of tall fescue seed do you use and what do you think about perennial rye? Chris Morton, what do you want to know about perennial rye? Uh, this year I used three different tall fescue seeds. I used, oh my goodness. Actually, I think I used four different ones. I used uh, Screamer LS, maybe Dynamite LS, and Avenger 2. I can't remember. There's a video I did where I was talking about understanding uh, a seed label and I was using my my personal seed that I was going out with. Uh, what I did do this year is my supplier uh, is they're a distributor of Mountain View seeds and I was able to secure three lateral spread varieties in a bag. So that was neat, but I was really concerned that since they were all three lateral spread, that they were going to be generally weak turf grasses. Uh, actually, they were very, very high in the NTEP trials for many different things, from brown patch to pythium, heat stress, establishment rates, um, overall turf vigor, uh, seedling vigor, and, uh, and, and color. When they were ranked super high, all three of them were ranked in the top 20 or something. And so it was a no-brainer. I was super happy to go out with. So right now, those are the ones I'm going out with. So that's going to be Dynamite LS. You can you can hop on uh, Mountain View Seeds website and they'll tell you. They, they I mean they've got tons of them, but I, it was like Avenger Two, Dynamite LS, Screamer LS, and one other one. I can't remember. Can't remember. But it's good. So far, I'm super happy with everything. Uh, full rate rotating products are best. My old time fungicide was a full rate of Mancozeb with systemics. Now no longer legal. That's right. And I hate that. Mancozeb was great. It was so broad spectrum. So anyway, poor Mancozeb. Derivative of manganese and zinc. Good stuff. Can you use prodiamine in flower beds as long as you don't get it on plants? Okay. Mandy, yes, you can use prodiamine in flower beds as long as it doesn't get on plants. Uh, typically, on a prodiamine label, it will have a list of things that is um, acceptable for, for use. I don't know of anything. Like, I know freehand lists like viburnums and lorpedlums on the label as far as keeping them away. I don't know of anything of the sort for uh, prodiamine. Um you know, typically in commercial settings, I see it broadcast right over the top of plants and uh, with, with no ill effects. So you should be good to go. Right said, no way organic your way to bad weather conditions. That's right. 
Uh, Prodiamine is labeled for application around a lot of border metals, nursing landscape situation. Yeah, yeah. Now a lot of a lot of the nurseries use it for sure, for sure. Uh, do you like the way it looks and overall health of perennial rye? Uh, I do like the way the the uh, tall fescue looks. As far as the perennial rye, this is going to be anecdotal, and I have no real science to this, but I believe that these newer hybridized perennial rye are causing issues in warm season grass that it's seeded into. Chris Morton, just so you know where I live, perennial rye does not survive the summer. Uh, maybe 10% will, but that's about it. Typically, it does not survive the summer. Okay, that being said, okay, there is a process called allelepathy. And allelepathy is a plant's release of certain chemicals it emits a certain chemical in an attempt to sterilize a potential competitor for, you know, water, nutrients, soil space. I believe perennial rye is allelopathic, allelopathic, allelopathic. That is really hard to say. I believe perennial rye is allelopathic. Uh, I may be completely wrong in that, but if you do not spray out perennial rye in Bermuda grass here, the Bermuda grass never does a thing. And that perennial rye can be dead, and that root mass is just hanging down there in the soil, and the Bermuda never recovers. It never does. Never fills in, won't even attempt to grow into that. And it always, the Bermuda will lack color no matter what you do to it until you spray out the perennial rye. So, I believe perennial rye is allelopathic. And if you plan on using it to give color to warm season grass, plan on spraying it out. And that's all I'll say about it. Uh, but it does look nice when it's seeded into Bermuda grass. And it makes for a great playing surface, too. Do you adjust your pH and your spray mixes? If I need to, Alan, I will test from time to time. But most of the time... Um, it is not necessary where I'm at. Uh, I'm usually uh, just a tad bit acidic here. Jeremy Anthony, Ray is the guy in the group. He is R-E-Y-3472. He is the Zoysia master. Uh, I think he would direct you to the forum called lawnsite.com, and he is the green doctor on lawnsite. You can go through there and see pretty much exactly what he does to Zoysia grass. It's high intensity, super incredibly professionally maintained Zorja grass that is unrivaled anywhere. Thanks, Chris Morton. Thanks, Chris Morton. I should be able to use close to what you be. You, yep, yep, and Cookville. That's right. Chris, shoot me an email, thegrassfactor at gmail.com, and uh, we'll talk more, man. We will definitely talk more. Uh, Joe Foote. Talk me into the biostimulant RGS package from GCI or Lawn Nut. All right, here you go, Joe. It's up to you, man. It's completely up to you if you want to use it or not. Um, if you want to tell me what you want to do with your yard, I can tell you whether or not RGS is a good product for you. So tell me what you'd like to do with your yard, and I'll tell you whether or not RGS can make it happen for you. Bill Blake, can you discuss the process of getting rid of moss in a fescue lawn? I have a pH of 6.1 in Georgia. 
Bill Blake, here's what you want to do. I would go get you some carfentrazone ethyl, also known as Quicksilver. Spray it. Smoke it out. And get some fescue established. Okay, so moss can be a symptom of acidic soil. Typically, it's going to be a symptom of opportunity. So you have to have adequate space. You have to have adequate soil moisture and adequate water uh, uh, light. So those three things have to happen in order for moss to really gain a foothold. Um, if you're having moss uh, and it's in a shady area, that's probably likely a symptom of being in the shade. Uh, if it's in a full sun area, um, then likely that's going to be a symptom that could be pH related. So um, if you need to get rid of the moss and kill it in, in such a way, you can either rake it out or use carfentrazone ethyl, which is labeled for moss removal. You can also use heavy metals like iron. Uh, iron ferrous sulfate will toast moss. You may have to do repeat applications. So there you go. Tyler just wants to know a little bit more about my business. I am not a solo operator, and this is the start of my fourth season. Start of my fourth season. Uh, GCI Turf, what's going on, Pete? You at the shop mixing, man. There you go. There you go. Moss infesting grass that is getting too much water. I can get moss on alkaline soils. There you go. Not always an indicator of, uh, of poor soil conditions. Joe Foote, where you at, man? I, I need to know what you want to do with your yard. I need to know what you want to do with your yard before I can answer that. But we cranked through about 30 minutes there real quick. Uh, while I've got everybody tuned in and got their attention, take a moment to stop over to the YouTube channel, Loncology. Pay my friend John Perry a visit. John Perry, for those of you that don't know, is president of Green County Fertilizer and BioGreen USA. Um he is the developer of his NEXT product line. For anybody that's going out and using those products, he is the one who developed them. Um, John has what is not, it was relatively unique in the industry, his approach to, to fertility. He takes a soil first approach. It's not exactly unique. However, he starts with a, uh, a baseline of minimums and then builds out programs based on the required minimums for turf grass performance rather than what you typically see from your department of agriculture, which is going to be maximum requirements and then scale down from there. So there we go. Pete, that ain't the truth. <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, do you know where I can send in soil samples for the Michigan area? Haven't ever done one. Ronald, I have no idea. Um, if you look up the Michigan Department of Agriculture soil testing, let's see what it pulls up here. Home, lawn, and garden soil test self-mailer from MSU. That's going to be Michigan State University. Ronald, I will put this link right here in the chat, and it is all yours, sir. 
Eric says, will the RGS package get my Kentucky bluegrass to look like GCI's turf type tall fescue? I've been on a Milo program. I'm looking to add or maybe replace it. Um, there, I think uh, RGS would be a good replacement for Milo if you incorporated it with nitrogen, a different nitrogen source, something that you're going to have a little bit more control over. Uh, and RGS should get your Kentucky bluegrass to look, in theory, better than um, GCI's turf type tall fescue because as a plant, as a species, Kentucky bluegrass is bred to be a darker green than turf type tall fescue. So in theory, it should be greener than Pete's yard, but I don't know because Pete's going to fight you over it. He is going to give it his best to make sure he's got a greener yard than your Kentucky bluegrass, Mr. Derek. I'm just warning you now. I'm warning you now. Uh, but like I was saying, stop over to John Perry's uh, channel. Click the subscribe button there. Watch a few of his videos. We had a good time uh, together down in Florida. It was uh, it was a lot uh, that we did there. Hi, Matt. Service Autopilot question. Where do you purchase the tearaway paper leave behind for clients? What is it called? I like the chemical route sheet B with invoice. Gore, baby, that's what I use too. I use uh, route sheet B with invoice. I do not know where to get that paper. I fold mine in half and tear it, and I make a, a complete entire mess of it. Um, what I would like, if you find that, let me know. I would love to have one, especially if it was carbon copy, too. I'd be even happier with that, uh, or non-carbon copy. Um, so, yeah, if you figure that out, shoot me an email, thegrassfactor@gmail.com, because I would like to use it. Uh, yeah, bluegrass is, is tough stuff, is definitely some awesome stuff. And so basically, if you've been on a Melorganite program for your Kentucky bluegrass, this is what I would do. Um, I would, depending on your soil conditions, your soil structure, I don't know where you're at, Derek. Um, I would back off on your end rates and adopt more of a spoon feed approach. Um, so look at this, POS supply sells perf paper. There you go. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate that. Um, what I would do is I would back that rate down, quarter pound, half pound in early, apply that with a product like RGS. Um, for your first application, then as you move into your second application, depending on how soil has woken up, I would either repeat that or maybe flip things around. So if your Kentucky bluegrass is really starting to come out of dormancy and you're getting that, that thatchiness uh, beginning to hang around, that may be a good time to use the dethatch product. And, um, you know, dethatch is pretty, pretty basic product in, in terms of ingredients. And you know, you've got some molasses, you've got uh, some uh, live yeast and humic acid. Um, and 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 kind of get a feel for how it responds when applying that in conjunction with fertilizer. Uh, I think you'll be shocked at how much more of a pop you end up getting out of that mix than what you're used to getting coming from the Morganite world. So um, it's a it's uh, intense. I will say that it is intense. Regarding the biostimulant package, I wore my butt out with a mechanical aerator last weekend. Does Air 8 accomplish the same or similar goal? Brian Ray is also trying to reduce the use of his synthetic FERT. Let me just say I use raw products from MPK Industries. I'll have to look at the raw product line, Chris. I'm not familiar with that either. 
Uh, are they the one? Are raw products, are they the one? There is a particular calcium that someone has turned me on to that I am dying to try. I meant to buy some a long time ago. It is called GSR calcium. Ray, have you ever heard of GSR calcium? Let me see if I can find that. It may be G. Yes, it is GSR calcium. It is produced by Soil Works Pro in South Dakota, and it is apparently like ultra concentrated. You use it at uh, at low rates. Um, Anyway, I wonder if that's curious to, to what to what you're using, uh, Chris. Anyway, I got sidetracked. Okay, okay. So let me talk to you a little bit about aerate. Okay, so during the production process of humic acid, you take linerite shale and you hydrate it in a in a in a, in a tank in a chamber. You know, you mix it and you swirl it and you mix it and you swirl it. And then you shock it with potassium hydroxide to drop the pH. I mean, I'm sorry, to raise the pH really, really high. Potassium hydroxide is also known as lye. Um, and so you're going to bring that pH really, really, really high. And what happens is, is um, all the, the, the humic goodness becomes extremely, it, it becomes, humic acid becomes soluble at that point. Fulvic acid is soluble really at any pH range, but humic acid in general is more soluble in higher pH range. So you get a super high pH, mix it with this hydrated lunarite shale, and then you filter it and move it into a new tank. So you get rid of all the solids, you move it into a new tank. And then you shock it and bring the pH down slightly. And that's going to cause more precipitate to form. And you mix it, and you mix it, and you mix it, and you filter out the precipitate, move it to the next tank, shock it. Okay, so you'll shock this down like six times, seven times to bring it back closer to a neutral or slightly acidic pH range when you're dealing with humic acid. Okay. Air 8 has not been brought down completely in pH. It still contains a very small amount of potassium hydroxide. It's not a lot, it's a small amount. And the way it works is when you apply it to the soil, of course it gets rained on, it causes a chemical reaction in the humus layer of the soil. With that chemical reaction, the potassium hydroxide drags that that uh, those organic acids through the humus layer layer and left behind is the greater surface area the the holes the the, the gaps the uh, you know what would look more more like a like a, a sponge at that point it opens up a lot of, of porosity there so that's the goal you sort of generate your own humic acid to the existing humus layer of the soil with a slightly alkaline solution to so how about that there it is 
Uh, anybody know if site one carries calcitic lime? I can't find any lime low in magnesium around Richmond, Virginia. They should, Tyler. They should. I don't know the name of their products, but I'd, I'd bet they have a calcitic lime there. Uh, there you go. There you go. You're gonna love it. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm doing my my testing with Air Eight right now. I have never used it before, so this is my first time really going in with it. And I'm playing with it, spraying it at low volume, um, and you know, really just kind of running the course, seeing what happens, see what it does. I want to see how the turf responds. I want to see what it looks like when you get it on concrete, when you get it on a fence. What does it do? So, uh, you know, this is going to be a, a nice little experimental deal um you know doing working with the uh working with aerate so is it going to replace mechanical aeration i don't know i don't know we'll see hopefully uh because you know mechanical aeration takes a lot of time now in the one instance where it's not going to work is, is going to be establishing seed to soil contact so in terms of renovations and you know producing more of like a tillage effect um you know, I will always aerate and overseed for maintenance seeding. So that's just kind of how I feel about that. Bill Blake, uh, with the aerate, does it affect the pre-emergence since it opens up the soil? No, Bill. So you got to think about the gaps that occur in, in the soil. Okay, so if you've got a vapor barrier and you poke holes in it, you know, that are an inch, and you poke all those holes... That vapor barrier then has to cover that whole space in order to um, be able to prevent that weed across that space. Whereas with aerate, you're talking about relatively microscopic pore space. So in terms of that vapor barrier, being able to cross that space, it should happen in theory relatively easily. Um, the one thing that, oh, there we go. Southern state sells calcitic lime, soy cow. Yeah, soy cow is the one, the one I've used. So I don't think it'd be an issue. The one thing to keep in mind is in terms of spraying them together, air eight is going to be, um, slightly alkaline. And so you're not going to have a lot of tank stability in place if you do mix those two. Uh, if you do do it, mix it, spray it, and get that tank empty. Don't don't let it sit in your tank. Uh, high organic materials can bind up pre-emergence. Be careful. This is true. This is true. Oh, GC had Pete. Pete's used all kinds of liquid calcium. That he has. That he has. Canopy aeration disturbs chemical barriers. Yep, aerate overseed versus using a slight cedar machine. Uh, in terms of establishment, a slice seeder is awesome. It's hard to beat that, man. I'll tell you that right now. If they had a right-on uh, slice seeder, I would I would do it. I mean, I, I'd probably get rid of my aerator and do just slice seeding. You know, this is a debate we talk about a lot, Chris. You know, between me and 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 my peers, is you know, when you slice seed a yard and you look at how that thing comes in, I mean, it comes in like sod. It just, it's, it's amazing how, how well it looks. And, you know, you, you aerate and, you know, you get patchy and, you know, finally it starts to fill in and stuff. So, you, you know, ideally, yeah, man, I'd much rather slice seed everything. I mean, that would just be great. 
I would love that. Uh, but in terms of business, it's, I mean, it, you know, it, it'd be very difficult to get done, you know, 175 acres um, of slice seeding in the time that you could get done 175 acres of aeration overseed. So it's, it's one of those tough positions to be in there. There's nothing really easy about it. Miss Sharon says, I'm up north and thinking about overseeding this spring. What are your thoughts on overseeding in the spring? Sharon, I'm not up north, so where I'm at, I would tell you if you were in Tennessee, if you are in East Tennessee, Sharon, I'd tell you don't do it, ma'am. Do not do it. But if you were up north, people do do dormant seeding often from what I hear. Uh, a friend of mine, David Turfner Watkins up in the Dayton, Ohio, talks about doing dormant seeding of Bermuda grass and stuff. So it can be done. What I would do is, um, you know, maybe protect that seed with something like an application of mesotrione. And so that's to cut down on influenced from outside weeds. So um, it's definitely doable. It's going to be more work and you have a higher probability of failure because you're not going to be able to use a traditional uh, DNA pre-emergent to prevent your crabgrass. So it's going to be a lot of work, but you can do it. Can't find Air 8 in New York. Is it regulated state to state? Tom Reed, no, it is not. And you buy direct from Green County FERT, or you can get it online at the uh, at the GCI Turf Academy store. And um, uh, I think a lawn care nut has one. Pete, I'd love a ride on slice eater. I've seen core aeration seedings totally fail. Yeah, I, Ray, I have done plenty of fail failure uh, core aeration seedings. <laughs> I've done all kinds of them. I promise you. Um, yeah, you know it. I would say ninety nine percent of the time, it, you know, it works well for me. But um, you know, sometimes I, you drive the seed too deep. Um, there's a lot of different variables there. Definitely a lot of different variables. Uh, I like to, you know, during the, the initial renovation process, you know, I used that nail drag this year and I loved it. Man, I loved it. So I'm going to use more and more of that in the future. Um, and then hopefully, um, you know, get a uh, get a ride on slice here like, like Pete Denny's talking about here. I'll wear that thing out, Pete. Deep verticut comes in like sod. Yes. Yes, it does. Um, and, and you know, uh, that would be ideal for, for seed establishment. You just, you cannot beat the results from a, um, either, a, you know, a verticutter or a, a slice seeder. I mean, it's just, it's unparalleled. It's, it's unparalleled. It comes in great. Okay, everyone, I'm going to call it. It's 7.50. I got to get ready to put the kids to bed. I got to eat dinner, all that fun stuff. This week, this week in lawn care, got lots of new videos that are going to be coming up. I'm going to be putting together a cool season program video. It's going to be relatively generic. We're going to talk more about the science of the opera, the, of the growing conditions of fescue and use that to be able to build your own cool season program. I don't want to tell people how to do things. I want to encourage people to learn how to teach themselves to do it. Uh, 
So anyway, that's going to be coming up in the works. That'll probably not be ready for another two weeks. And uh, But in the meantime, I'll be checking in with you from the field as we keep going from you know job to job, getting through this first round. And in lieu of this early springtime we've had, keeping you up to date with all the bizarre things I'm going to be seeing. So anyway, I appreciate each and every one of you for tuning in. Ray, thanks always for being able to help me out with this. Uh, everybody for the questions and everything. I super, super appreciate it. Uh, Derek is answering Miss Sharon here, talking about spring, uh, spring seeing some Kentucky bluegrass. Taking 28 days to come in. Uh, yeah. All right, y'all. I appreciate it. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Everyone have a good evening. We'll see you next week. Take it easy. I need to be better prepared when I say that. <laughs>